here together uh, thinking about catalysts. Uh, Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It says that he did not come to condemn the world, but that through him the world would be saved. Uh, he came as a catalyst for salvation, and he asked us uh, to take all that we've received all the blessings that we have. He calls it uh, creating new creation. Uh, we, we know original creation and how sin uh, had an impact on the world around us. And now he has come to us and offered us salvation, offered us through Christ that the world would be transformed. How does he do that? Um, well, I noticed that, as I've mentioned to you in this series, uh, God is not going to show up down here and do your job. He's not coming uh, again to take our role that he gave to us. Hell, he's coming back. He's coming back. But when that happens, all of that stuff that he's asking us to do now will be over. Uh, we'll be going into eternity uh, together, preparing for us. But right now, he has asked us to be catalyst to bring about the transformation of the world. What that means is he doesn't want you just sitting around enjoying the blessings and the help that he has offered to you. I noticed it because we sang a lot about it this morning, right? All the help and encouragement that he gives to us, all the blessings that we've received, but recognizing that we are sent people sent to make a difference in the world around us. Uh, I hope that this series has been helpful to you as we've been thinking about, it. we've been doing the these fall series for a bunch of years and they've had such an impact on our growth and uh, who we are and who, who we are as a church. What does God intend for us to be and to do the kind of church that he wants us to be? We talked about it in terms of catalyst, being a person, a group of people whose life and talk and enthusiasm and convictions and energy cause others to be transformed. Our question has been, what could we be as believers, as his church, as people to surprise the world, um, to make a difference in the world around us, whether it's our family, our neighbors, those that we work with, wherever God has planted us. We started in 2 Chronicles 16.9. It says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. He wants you to be able to make a difference. He wants you to be able to know that you will be strengthened and helped by him as you listen to his voice. His voice cries out as it did to Isaiah. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And we've tried to say boldly, Here am I! Send me. Here we are, Lord. Uh, you know, he didn't just uh, plant you here so that you could enjoy church. You know, he's saying to us, who will go? Who will go out into the world? Who will make a difference? Who will uh, touch the lives of those around us that we have offered? Here am I, Lord. Send me. Uh, send us. Uh, this, this whole movement of uh, catalysts. Uh, I talked to you initially about the idea of the difference between looking out the windshield and the rearview mirror. You know, we are not just thinking about looking back uh, to things in the past or overwhelmed by the past, but looking forward, looking out the windshield, because if you spend too much time looking out the rearview mirror, you'll get in a wreck in your vehicle. Uh, if you look out the front, watch and pay attention, moving forward, uh, allowing the Holy Spirit to help us be a catalyst forward for what God God wants to accomplish in us. And he brings about the energy to accomplish that through missional thinking and living. Uh, our phrase around here is what has the maximum kingdom impact? Uh, so when we think about the kind of things that we do here, the kind of things that are important for us here or at Southside or uh, potentially over at uh, in uh, the Sunnyland, Washington area there. What is, why would we be involved in these things? What is the kingdom impact that God could have uh, through our church? We, we talked about personal commitments that we made right at the beginning of this series. I talked to you about your commitment to Christ, your commitments to love the people around you, your commitment to show God's grace uh, in your life. Uh, so making those personal commitments and then thinking about practical commitments 
commitments that we can make, uh, practical individual commitments. And we've made, off, made a whole list of those uh, things that we could do together, the ways that we could serve and volunteer, the way that we could give to others, the way that we could impact uh, our neighbors and our friends and having practical steps as a church uh, to be able to surprise the world. We talked about this mission statement. This mission statement was a way for us to uh, invest in recognizing who we are, to recognize that PFN is a church for everyone, to follow Jesus. That's our number one calling, is to follow him, to give your life to Jesus Christ. We, without hesitation or reservation, encourage you to know and love and follow Jesus Christ. That's what we're about. Uh, that becomes the, the mission of who we are. You know, if we don't live that out, we, uh, we got no job here, right? <laughs> uh, we got no reason for existence. If we're not living out, uh, recognizing that just as Jesus called those early disciples, he's called every one of us. Go and follow Jesus. Uh, in the midst of that, we seek to love God and to love others. That means that's our uh, Jesus' command to us was uh, the first and greatest commandment, to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love others as ourselves. Uh, so those become the challenge for us. How do we live that out? How do we accomplish that? Uh, how do we become a catalyst for that to happen? Uh, we learn and grow. We learn together. We, we study God's word. We go to Bible studies and small groups. We come to church together, not just to sing a few songs, but to learn together. Uh, what is it that God has in store for us? How do we learn and grow in the things of God? And finally, we serve, give, and go. It's an outward thing. We not only take in, but now we're giving out and we're even sending and going, sending people to other places um, to be a part of what's happening, to allow God to use us as a sending missional environment where we could ask the question, what is the maximum kingdom impact uh, that we could have? Uh, during this series, we talked about neighboring. Might have made you a little uncomfortable. I hope it did. Uh, working on neighboring. The art of neighboring is that when Jesus was asked to sum up everything uh, into a great command, he said to love God and to love our neighbors. Many times we've talked about just we just love people. But wouldn't it be interesting, we, we talked about Jesus literally meaning, should we be loving our neighbors as followers of Christ to be a catalyst for change for the community and the neighborhood that we're a part of so that we could have better relationships and actually be better neighbors to those people that live around us, telling them about the things that God has done in our life, being transformed uh, by what God is seeking to accomplish. We are his body. We are his people. Romans 12, 4 and 5. It's not on your outline, but it says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong uh, to each other. So he's reminding us that we are, we are called to make a difference in the world. You know, we recognize that we receive this invitation toward kingdom transformation. You know, how is God transforming the world? How is God bringing people into a right relationship with God? He's not going to show up, and I'm pretty sure it didn't happen through the midterm elections uh, or some kind of political message, right? Uh, you know, all that stuff's important, but we recognize that the transforming work of God is happening through the people of God, through the church of God, uh, not just Nazarenes, but people everywhere that love God and serve him. That's why we pray for other churches. That's why we come together with other believers, why we need all of us to bring about the transforming work that God wants to accomplish in the world around us right now, right? Catalyst, that he wants you to be that, that person that has a heart for the people around you. Nobody else lives where you live. Nobody else lives the life that you live. Nobody else has the connections that you have. So you're a special part of the kingdom of God, living it out as a catalyst to make a difference in the lives of others. So I hope that this series has made a difference and been a help to you as you've been thinking about that. We talked about uh, our block maps. I encourage you to think about the houses that live right around you, the people that live on your street, behind you, in front of you, beside you, and to reach out to think about those people, think about those neighbors, to, to pray, maybe have a prayer walk when the weather was, was better, or driving along your roads and praying for those believers, going door to door. Uh, many of you took gifts or invited them to a neighbor night uh, that you were able to be a part of. So we're thinking about all those things today and how that has happened, how God has used us. We made it, uh, reached out to um, 
volunteer organizations, nonprofits that were in our community, and we were working over in Southside and thinking about working over in Washington and what God wants us to be and do there, recognizing that we all have the possibility of changing other people's lives. One of the testimonies that you heard in part of this today is a little bit different environment. I want, to, I want us to share some testimonies and uh, how maybe God has been using you. Uh, one of the ones that we used was Sherry Sherwood uh, gave us a testimony that really kind of fits the core of what this whole series was about. So uh, I want you to hear again from her. Uh, listen to Sherry. The story of how I came to Christ starts with my neighbors. When I was a little girl, my parents worked on the campus of Indiana University, and we really didn't know very many people outside of campus life. One day, our neighbor Donna crossed the street and knocked on our door and invited our family to church. When my mother politely declined, she invited them over to play cards and get to know each other, and a friendship began to form. She invited them to church again, and they politely said no. Uh, after many attempts, Donna changed her invitation to request to take me and my sister to church with them. Uh, my mom made up a reason why that Sunday wouldn't work, or the next Sunday, or the next Sunday. And then my mom used the excuse, well, Sherry doesn't have any church shoes. And before the day was over, there was a knock on her door, and Donna stood there with a pair of church shoes. The next day, my sister and I went to church, and I wore my new shoes. This became our Sunday morning routine. Uh, every Sunday we would go to church with Ron and Donna. So on Easter Sunday we went to church like we always did, and my parents sat in the empty living room knowing that they should really be the ones bringing us to church. So they changed clothes and they surprised us by walking into church that day. Soon after my parents accepted Christ as their savior and my dad left his doctoral program and accepted a call into full-time ministry, he pastored for 33 years. The friendship Ron and Donna offered changed our family forever, and I'm so thankful for that. I too accepted Christ as my Savior. From a young age, I loved God, and I would tell people that I wanted to be a pastor's wife when I grew up. Eventually, I made a full commitment to God, and my relationship with God continues to grow each day. I'm married to an incredible man, and I have three beautiful daughters who are pursuing God's call on their life. I grew up knowing that I had the potential to forever change someone's life, just like Ron and Donna forever changed mine. Donna was shy and nervous, but she overcame that for our benefit. The road we lived on was very busy and hard to cross, but she didn't use that as an excuse. Donna made a decision in her heart. She decided to cross the road. She decided to keep coming back. And she decided I was worth the cost of a new pair of shoes. Uh, in your bulletin, there's a whole bunch of testimonies that are there. I wanted to uh, highlight just a few of them for you. Uh, just the, the kind of the spirit of what this has been about. Uh, somebody wrote, new neighbors moving in on the weekend. We went over and introduced ourselves and took a pumpkin roll. So there you go. That was easy. Um, I have lived in our house four years and in two consecutive days spoke directly with two neighbors, learned their names and their jobs. Uh, you'll, you'll hear a lot of that that's going on here. Uh, this one says, um, we took muffins to multiple neighbors. We have lived here for five and a half years and did not know the names of those neighbors. We now know three of them in the last week. Uh, that's pretty awesome. Um, uh, down at the bottom there, one person straight up told me no. Uh, that was after an invitation to come to their house for like some dessert. She said no. The others we had over and are now friends, and a lady brings stuff over for our girls all the time. Uh, one of the things we wanted you to know is that neighboring and being a catalyst in your neighborhood wasn't necessarily a perfect thing. Some people might turn you down. They might not want to, you know, be friends with you. So be it. Uh, but that doesn't stop us, right? We continue to reach out to those around us. One lady said, I made cookies and took the two neighbors. One invited me in, and we had an hour-long conversation. I took a baby gift and got to see and hold the baby. Hey, that's pretty good. That moves from stranger to acquaintance to relationship pretty quick there uh, with that baby. Um, Learned my neighbors were very grateful to meet us. Most were kind. Some were very shy and not wanting a relationship. Also learned one of my neighbor's son-in-laws works on small engines, so I took him my broken weed eater to fix. <laughs> that's fantastic. I love that. Um, I bought my neighbor's tickets to Leaving Iowa, which is our dessert theater. It's a good way to break the ice and heal old wounds. You know, sometimes it's tough going out and around to those around us, maybe that we haven't had the best relationship with. 
that things have been broken down. Does that mean that we uh, don't fulfill the responsibility that God has given us? No, we, we find ways to bring healing and, and support and encouragement there, uh, all kind of different ways. Um, we, uh, we had a couple uh, a group in the first service. It was uh, Tom and uh, Tom Worrell and his wife, Sherry, and the Gifhorns and the Hunts, uh, who did one of their neighbor nights just last Sunday night. It was fantastic. They came to church that day, all worried about it because she's been saying, Pastor, you've been praying about it because it's outside. It was, uh, they were going to have it in their garage and kind of in their driveway right there. And so it was raining last Sunday morning. And so she was uh, getting a little worried about it, but she was fine. And uh, this is Lacey. Right? Um, but uh, Lacey's pretty new to our church. And they had a fantastic, they had people from all over their neighborhood. Uh, I think they had uh, nearly, nearly 40 people showed up at their house. Uh, and they had, a, they had two bonfires, uh, fire pits out there, had hot dogs and shared together. God met every need and helped them. You know, the sun came out just before four, which their thing started at four last week. So they were giving praise to God for all that. So it's just fantastic. God allows us the opportunities uh, to be catalysts. There's a number of ways that you can read here. Now, I want you to meet a, a couple of catalysts here. This is my friend Dallas. And during all this, Dallas, uh, God has used him as a catalyst. And I wanted you to hear uh, what, what's been happening to him. So uh, <laughs> at my school at Tremont High School and Middle School, uh, God wanted me to do something over there. And uh, over the summer, I went to uh, Lake Williamson for kids camp. And something that uh, Scott Sherwood had said uh, really spoke to me. So I said, you know what? What do you want me to do, God? So I went to the school, and I was like, no. What do you want me to do, God? He said, chapel. I want you to do chapel. So it's called Keep It Real Chapel at our school. It's every other Tuesday. And, man. I didn't hear any. <gasps> Tremont High School is having chapel because this guy started chapel in the school. Isn't that fantastic? <laughs> But my thought on that was when life gets tough, you got to keep it real. You got to realize that, yeah, life is hard. Life is very hard. But guess what? We got a guy named Jesus who died on the cross, and we can set our troubles, drop it at the cross, and we can just let it go. So keep it real. Keep it real. <laughs> keep it real. So <laughs> I thought, keep it real, chapel. Chapel is a place where Christians can come discuss the word of God. And it's like, wow. So I walked up in the, it was registration time. I walked up in there. I got sweaty palms, got posters in my hands, some determination. I'm going to get this done. Walk up. I'm like shaking worse than I am now, you know. But uh, <laughs> I walk up and I go, I tell the, the principal, I say, hey, I want to do this and whatever. He goes, great, sounds great. Talk to you in two weeks. Uh We'll do that. I'm like, well, if it was that easy, yeah, man, I should have done this a long time ago. <laughs> so I, I thank God that our school allows that kind of stuff to happen. It's, like, amazing, but sometimes you get low numbers, high numbers, and it doesn't matter how many people come because you're still getting the word of God to students that, they could have been doing something else on a Tuesday night, but yet they decided to come listen to somebody crazy speak about God. <laughs> and they get that ministry. I had a girl come up to me and say, Dallas, you really moved me. And now I'm going to come to this. This is my youth group. So I said, well, praise God. And that's why I do it. So, Fantastic. Dallas Wilson. Great job. Okay. So awesome. Um, many other stories about neighbors and uh, things that have been happening. Also, uh, we decided that we would impact our community, be a catalyst by volunteering with some of the nonprofits. You know, all of them aren't, they're not churches. Um, you know what? I see Tom there. I didn't realize you were still here. I want you to, no, I want to hear, let, me, let him tell you a little bit about this uh, party they did here. Right. Thank you. Thanks. Actually, Pastor summed it up pretty well there, but uh, <clears throat> when this whole thing started a couple of months ago here at church, this act of neighboring, I thought, how easy is this going to be? My next-door neighbors are uh, Lacey and Andrew Hunt, who joined this church this past summer. 
I, my neighbor next door to me on the other side have become very good friends of ours, and we actually tore down the fence in between our two yards so that the dogs could all run together. Um, I thought, how easy is this? And then I realized as the weeks went on, he wasn't just talking about our next door neighbors. He's talking about everybody that we come in contact with. But these neighboring nights worked out so well as he synopsized up here. We got together with the Hunts and with the Gifhorns, and Lacey Hunt <coughs> got on her computer and made little invitations. And we did a weenie roast last Sunday, and we went around to all the different homes near us, probably gave out, oh, a good 25, 30 invitations to different homes, and a good number of them showed up. There was over 40 people there last night. And we were all just praising God for the wonderful weather we had, even though it had rained all the way up till 4 o'clock. The sun broke out right at 4 o'clock, and it was scheduled from 4 to 6. It went on till what, 6.30, 7 o'clock? And it was just a wonderful time together. So <laughs> I give most of the credit to the women of the three families because they did most of the organizing. <laughs> sure. Awesome. That's great, Tom. Thank you. So um, you, you realize what's happening in here right now, so we're just poking you about your neighbors and your, the people that are right around you. We also went to some nonprofits. I think we have some pictures here. We, we collected a bunch of food and non-food uh, items. Um, man, they, they love that. Uh, Pastor Cheryl and Kim and um, Brian, uh, uh, Becky Clark, a few others, they uh, loaded up their cars and... Uh, delivered all this stuff. I was see. Um, went to the Center for Prevention of Abuse. That was one of our primary places. We went there, and this is a place over in Peoria where they kind of um, divvy out all of the different materials there. Um, so we took all the, the diapers and the pillows and all the hygiene products and all those things that we had. And this was Cheryl and the lady there. She loved it. Uh, Cheryl pulled up in her vehicle. And so the, I mean, her vehicle was jam-packed with stuff and this lady said okay I'll get you know a box or something and and Cheryl said no all this stuff is yours which every and like she almost fell over you know all the stuff they had there you know she was so excited about laundry detergent and about diapers even adult diapers can you be excited about that uh, she said no but she said that wasn't even on the list and they realized that they just have so many clients that have all kinds of different needs and it sort of allowed them to to have sort of their own pantry for those clients that were uh, dealing with abuse and so I'm very excited about that uh, we went uh, they went next to let's see if this is the next one Salvation Army or uh, Township Pekin Township um, they love us there we fill up those grocery carts and take all that stuff there Kim and um, we went over there and uh, met the lady from there. We have a great relationship with Pekin Township. Um, Brian and Becky went to uh, Salvation Army and delivered. You know, we've been to the Salvation Army when we delivered food and items over there where there'd be one can of soup on the pantry shelf there. And uh, I told them that day, I said, if you're ever running out, you call the Church of the Nazarene because we'll get you something over there. Um, you know, that's what we're supposed to be doing, right? We don't have a pantry here. You know why we don't have a pantry here? Because there are people that do it really well that need our support rather than us just trying to do it ourselves because we are a long ways from uh, people walking and all that kind of stuff here, so supporting them. So we try to do that. Now, we also had an opportunity to be involved with uh, Pekin Community High School. The girl that was in the uh, the court, I think Brooke's in there, you see her from here. The girl that was uh, Miss Marigold uh, had a goal of uh, helping the high school by putting items in two different bathrooms that would be hygiene material uh, because, you know, the high level of poverty at Pekin High School it, it, the, the level's really high, and some people get bullied because they don't have enough personal care items, those kind of things, and so uh, this girl approached us, and so we, we took a bunch of stuff that was part of the list that we had, and so we took her all this stuff over there to help supply Pekin High School with all this hygiene material so that people could get that when they couldn't afford it or didn't have it at home, uh, what they needed. Don't you love that? Um, that's what I'm talking about. Being a catalyst, making a difference, just looking, you know, most of the stuff that we do most time, you know, I didn't sit around and think of it. It's usually somebody comes to us and says, 
this is an idea. This is something we should do, just like old Dallas over there. You know, he, um, that, that, that's just a great idea. How can we be a catalyst uh, in, the, in the community around us, uh, making a difference there? Now, I also talked to you about uh, habits, missional habits, like uh, blessing other people, uh, even uh, eating uh, together. And so I want to talk to Mary back here. Uh, this is Mary Sherwood. Now, Mary is the champion, right, of people eating at her house, right? <laughs> She's the champion. So, um, I mean, Mary's a catalyst. I mean, she has made a difference in so many people's life uh, by investing in them. So I wanted her to tell us um, how you feel about that? And why, why is that important to you? I know, um, I mean, if you've never been to her house, man, we all cram in this little kitchen space there. And we, uh, she has just the right number, and then she feeds everybody, and, fantastic, and then we sing, and uh, it's just, it's always great. And, and, uh, so uh, why do you do that? Why is, it, why is that important as far as uh, your mission and what God's called you to do? I was raised in a um, home missionary. Have you ever heard of that, where your parents went and helped churches get started? <clears throat> and... My parents probably started over 50 churches in the area. Wow. And um, when we'd get done with the church service, I always had to go to play for mom and dad. And mom would bring everybody home and feed them. So this gift that God put in my heart was born in me through my parents. And so um, I came from a little town of Varna. Illinois and moved here to Peoria and started going to a church of over 500 and I was only used to 40 people and I was so discouraged in this church I told my husband I said we're not going to make it here so he told one of the board members we're not going to make it here Mary doesn't know a soul he said listen you tell her to go to five people next Sunday and invite them home with her for dinner and I didn't know a soul in that church. I went to five people, and everybody said, we'd be delighted to come home with you. And so the next Sunday, I did the same thing again and again. And pretty soon, I knew 100 people. Wow. And it wasn't long, believe it or not, that church hired me. And so I became Miss Personality of the church. <laughs> And it's a very expensive hobby, I'll tell you, <laughs> very expensive. But as the years went on, God put the burden on my husband's heart, too. He was very backward and quiet, and he said, well, Mary, you're going to give away everything we've got if you don't quit this. And the further we went, the doors God would open for me to earn the money. He'd give me a house to clean that week or uh, some other thing he'd give me to do. And as the years went on, my husband and I learned and loved people. We just would walk into a church. So when I came here, I didn't know anybody. And I thought, oh, I think Robert and I'm getting old. We're going to retire from doing this. And so John and Bonnie Sherwood came to us, and they said, we notice you're new in church. Come to our Sunday school class. And we said, we're getting old. We're going to quit attending Sunday school and taking on all this responsibility. And we're just going to come to church. And Sunday after Sunday, John and Bonnie would ask us to come to Sunday school. Finally, he said, I need you. I need you to play for my class. I said, you're capable of playing for yourself, John. <laughs> and... Bonnie would invite us home for meals, and finally Robert said, he's not going to quit unless you go to Sunday school. Let's go to Sunday school. And so we did. And then three and a half years ago, that ministry stopped. My husband passed away, and I thought, that's the end of it. I'm old now. I'm 83 years old, and God's done with me. And Priscilla and Ron... Simpson have been the greatest blessing to me. They knew I was downhearted, and they'd invite me and take me out for me, my meals. And Ron would keep saying, Mary, God's going to take you to a new level. And I said, I'm so lonely. I'm so lonely. People forgot me, 
after Robert died, I thought, and that was just the devil putting that in my heart because nobody forgot me. And I said, I'm so lonely. And all of a sudden, it was like the Lord spoke to me, start having the ladies in your home that have lost their husbands. And I thought, well, nobody will come. And sure enough, I asked 12, and here came 12 on Monday night. <laughs> and that's been three and a half years ago. And every Monday night, we meet, we have a meal together, and we pray for our church and for our pastor and for all of you. And God has came on the scene and revived me. Whether I'm 83 or not, I feel like I'm 12. That is a catalyst, right? I mean, I hope you're sitting there thinking, shoot, if Mary can do it, I can certainly do something, right? Uh, her sacrifice and the way she's given. Thank you so much, Mary. What a blessing. Her daughter's sitting right here saying, mm-hmm, expensive hobby. I know she did all that. Yeah, so that's great. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm standing here as well because um, one of the other things that was happening during all this is uh, thinking about being a catalyst is I was talking to Irene and Austin uh, about Southside, and we were talking about all the people that had been volunteering over there, and uh, they just were just raving about Judy McClanahan. And so Judy has just really made an effort to decide to serve over at Southside. So why are you doing that? Why are you being a catalyst over there? Okay. Um, I started serving in Southside in July, and um, I'd just like to share with you some of the events in the past five years that I felt have brought me to that place. Um, back in 2013, my daughter Jill got her first teaching job at Treewin, uh, which is located in the south side of Peoria. Um, and um, even though we thought we knew what to expect, it was quite a culture shock to realize uh, the great need there was in the south side of Peoria. Um, I remember sharing with this, this pastor one Wednesday night and wondering what the world, what the church could possibly do. Um, well, time passed. Um, I happened to be serving on the church board during the evolving of the Southside Community Center, and of course I wanted to attend the dedication uh, service and was very interested to find out about the church's previous presence um, on the Southside of Peoria. Then, of course, the many different opportunities um, to serve presented themselves. Um, I work downtown Peoria, and I get off at 5 o'clock, uh, which gave me just enough time to get to the community center uh, to serve um, on Tuesday night church dinner. Uh, I'm reminded of the scriptures in uh, Ecclesiastics. Um, there is a time for everything and a reason for every activity under the heavens. This reminded me again that God is in control and I just needed to be obedient. It is a privilege and a blessing to serve at Southside Community Church for Jesus. Um, I'm also very thankful for all the opportunities that the church gives us to uh, serve. Um, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you, Judy. That's great. All right, this was um, kind of just spontaneous testimony. Do you have a story? about a neighbor night or something that happened or that you're willing to share? I know I'm putting you on the spot, but uh, that you want to share with us. We had a couple in the first service that just kind of did spontaneous there. Uh, anybody? Anybody like that? You just, you know, something that you did, something you served, some way that God has been using you uh, as a catalyst. Anybody bold and willing? All right, Chris. This is Chris Flowers. Let's hold that. Uh, last Saturday, I didn't really think much of it, but uh, the boys and I just went to the neighbor's yard and cleaned up their leaves for them. Nice. You know, James and Matt helped me and took us a couple hours, and he was grateful. That's a big job. It is a big job. That's great. Thank you. That's awesome. Anybody else? Yes, Betty. Well, 
Well, those live stream people, though, might need to hear you. I've been involved with the Relay for Life for the American Cancer Society for 10 plus years. I got involved when I went over to Morton to help uh, start Bridgeway. And there's been ups and downs along the way, but I lost a father, a grandfather, an aunt, two sister-in-laws and brother-in-law, all to that dreaded disease of cancer. So when they said they didn't know who was gonna run their concession stand form for the relay over there in Morton that was very active at the time, I says, oh, Walmart will do it. And people from Walmart came involved. So they came and went from Walmart, but I stayed involved with it because of the need for that. And just yesterday, I was doing a vendor event, which I've been doing every Saturday, um, to raise funds for the American Cancer Society. And this lady came up to me, and she just lost her twin brother, I think two years ago, at 39 years of age, uh, to cancer. And it was just rewarding for her to feel comfortable enough to come up to me and say, whoa, I want that because of that. And then she came back and brought her child up. Then she came back and brought her mother up. And I'm looking forward to possibly her even joining our Relay for Life team and so forth because she was interested in getting involved. And that's what it's all about, is getting involved to help others. That's awesome, Betty. Thank you. All right, so encouraging you to think about being a catalyst. How would God want to use you, uh, make a difference in your life? We talked about um, the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, uh, send me. Uh, so as we're kind of bringing to close some of this conversation about this, just several stories that uh, maybe will help kind of motivate your thinking and your decision-making about your, your missional perspective. Uh, I heard a story about Alexander the Great that kind of reminded me about how the church is sometimes. Alexander the Great was a tremendous general, and uh, there was an occasion where uh, one of the soldiers had been involved in some kind of cowardly response uh, in a moment and had uh, let some of his other soldiers down. And so they brought him to uh, Alexander the Great, the general, and, you know, expected there was going to be some kind of punishment or something uh, for this soldier. And so he listened to the story. The general heard everything that had happened. And finally, he says, soldier, uh, what is your name? And the soldier said, Alexander, sir. And Alexander the Great pierced at him with uh, strongly and was thinking, uh, what am I going to do with this guy that has my own name here? Uh, you know, that is, uh, and he says to the soldier, change your ways or change your name. Change your ways or change your name. I think that's how it is sometimes with the church, right? That we are representatives of Jesus Christ. We are representatives of what God has done for us, the sacrifice that he has made, the, the way that he has blessed and encouraged our lives. I watched you. You were all noticing and singing about the, the blessings of God on your life as we worship this morning. Aren't you grateful for what God has done? Well, we call ourselves Christians followers of Christ. So if that's our name, then we got to follow in his ways and be missional and carry out the mission of Christ and be involved with our neighbors and those that are around us. I heard about uh, the man they called the flower man. The flower man um, was a man that would, would looked around for a very depressed gray neighborhood. Uh, everything seemed to be run down and negative there. So he moved into that neighborhood and he found a house right in the center there that was all broken down and uh, needed a lot of work to it. So he bought the house and he moved in there and he began to work on the house and he fixed the shutters and he painted things and he cleaned up the yard and he got the fence fixed right. And um, he began to bring in flowers. He planted flowers and he brought in flowers there. He began to hand out flowers to the kids next door. 
door and uh, to the lady that lived across the street. He began to just brighten up the whole neighborhood because of these flowers that he gave. All of a sudden, people began to have a lot more, lot nicer attitude. There was a lot of kindness going on between them. There was a musician that lived by that just couldn't, couldn't get motivated, but all of a sudden he was inspired to do some writing of his music. There was an artistic person that was, uh, that was painting art. The whole neighborhood began to light up and be, be better. People began to even give, uh, give out flowers to each other. Well, we don't have flowers to give, but we have the gospel of Christ. We have the kindness of our, of our love for those that Christ has created, uh, the places that he's planted us to serve. Uh, so we have opportunity to go out and to serve in all of these different areas. The last story is the story of uh, the Titanic. Uh, you know the story of the Titanic, several thousand people on this boat. Um, somebody told me in the second service it was 200 and something that were, that were saved. Um, you know, on that night, um, such terror and uh, fear, and so the people were in the lifeboats, you know, but some of those lifeboats were half empty, uh, only had a few people in them. And so most of the people that died on the Titanic died from hypothermia being in the water, not just from drowning. Uh, they found out later that there were two ships nearby. The first one was the one that you hear about, um, the Carpathia. The Carpathia was 57 miles away. And by the, by the time they got there, uh, the only people they saved were the people in the lifeboats. But there was, a, there was a ship that was 12 miles away, the Californian. And they got an alert that something was happening with the Titanic, but they didn't do anything because the telegraph operator had already gone to bed. And so they got the word, but there were people standing on the rail on the deck being able to see out in the distance what was happening there, but they did nothing thinking certainly that somebody else would take care of it, that somebody else would do it. The Senate commissioned a, st uh, a study after that and realized that if the, if the Californian, if that ship had moved when they got the call, that the majority of the people that were in the water would have been saved rather than drowned. That's kind of the backstory to all that. What I say is we can't be that. We can't be those people that are just standing on the rail enjoying the goodness and the blessing of God and realizing that there are people going to hell without Christ. There are neighbors and friends, there are people in Southside and all around us that have needs that need to be hearing the witness of people that will love them. You know, the Bible says they will know us by our, by our love, by our love for each other how we loved one another, how we cared for one another, how we ate together, how we blessed each other, recognizing uh, what God wants us to do, the encouragement that he offers to us. So there's lots of things happening uh, to encourage you uh, in all that. Tonight we, are, uh, we have family service, and one of the things we're doing there is giving away and praying for all those Operation Christmas Child boxes. We've given, we've given away 200 and some of those boxes, and we're going to bring those in tonight and pray for them. What a great opportunity for us to be a catalyst in the world around us. Um, Saturday, we're giving away turkey dinners. Uh, we're going to walk around in uh, areas around here. We have some driving teams that are going to deliver. Uh, like if you know somebody, there's a place on the communication card. You can write their name. We have 30 to 40 different individual people that we're going to be reaching out to, as well as some uh, areas around our city uh, that need uh, some support. And so I'm very encouraged about that. But you can come and be a part of that. Uh, we meet at 9 o'clock. Uh, you can bring your whole family. You bring a wagon. You can bring a whatever you want. Carry your stuff in or cart yourself around. And we're going to have a great time. How many of you have come and done that before? Uh, a bunch of you there. So I encourage you to come and be a part of that. What are we trying to do? Trying to learn how to live missionally, how to live in a way that we are uh, caring, whether that's dinner church uh, at Southside or what's happening here or something that's going on in one of these nonprofits, a place that we can serve. Um, then uh, next Sunday, we have a great Thanksgiving celebration service that will happen here. And then we have dinner together uh, next uh, Sunday afternoon. Uh, so what an opportunity to do that. So today uh, we are coming to uh, the table that Jesus prepared for us uh, with bread and juice to remind us of the commitment that 
we make to him, to celebrate him. Uh, Irene's going to come. I have some servers that are going to join me here. So if you're serving communion, would you come now? Uh, as they're preparing for a moment, uh, we're going to uh, pray in just a moment for the bread and for the juice uh, and ask God to, uh, to speak to us, to cause us to think together about not only what he's done for us, but who he wants you to be in the, the places that you live and work and the family that you have and the people that God wants you to have a connection to. Let's pray for these elements. Would you bow with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for your sweet spirit in this room today. Thank you for the testimonies that we've heard and the encouragement, Lord, of reaching out to our neighbors and how you've made such a difference over the nine weeks of this Catalyst series and how we've been learning. And Lord, we pray that we would be a movement of being better neighbors, being Christ-focused neighbors and friends and helping to serve in the church and in ways that we can help others, the way that we can invite others to be a part of our life, that we can eat and share together. We can be a blessing to those around us. We can be involved in uh, Bible studies and small groups where we can learn and serve and grow. And that, Lord, we have opportunity to take the message of what you have done for us out to the world around us. So today, Lord... We thank you for this bread that represents your broken body. And we pray that as we partake today, Lord, that you would help us not only to think about your sacrifice, but our sacrifice. We pray for this juice. It represents your shed blood. And we pray for these elements as we distribute them here in just a moment, that, Lord, you would, you would so challenge us so overwhelm us with the beauty of what you have done for us and that we would be your representatives, your catalyst in the world around us. All praise to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, would you please serve us? A gentleman wrote a a blessing of a prayer around this whole idea. His prayer was, Lord, let our failures further unite us, illuminating the hidden beauty of God within us all. May our doubts lead to greater faith. Let us never become so isolated that we lose the fragrance of his spirit within us. May isolation expose our divisions and lead us to healing, reconciliation, and wholeness. Let the transitions of our life be filled with grace, acceptance, and honesty. May we come to truly know ourselves and receive the beauty of others around us. Let our love never lead to betrayal. May we find better ways to negotiate with our neighbors and to show compassion without losing ourselves or others along the way. May our life be filled with gratitude, sustainable gratitude, leading us away from brokenness and unspoken resentments. May we never forget to celebrate, even when we have to grieve. May we live faithfully in the undramatic. I like that line, Irene. <laughs> Let's live faithfully in the undramatic. Let our imaginations be filled with Christ, and may we bear witness to the hope that we have. And in discovering unexpected gifts, as we share with others around us, as we learn to live truly in community, let's be catalyst. Let's be catalyst for Christ. Let's be his church. Let's allow God to use us. Let's allow God to help us make a difference. She's playing.
Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Melt me. Mold me. Fill me. Use me. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Would you sing this? Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. as you sing it. Melt me, mold me, fill me, use me, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this, and whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread or drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The Lord Jesus himself ordained this table, this holy sacrament. He commanded those of us who believe in him and are saved to eat and drink the elements, bread and juice, as a heartfelt reminder of the death of Christ on the cross for each of us. This bread represents his broken body given on the cross for you. Eat this in remembrance that Jesus Christ gave his life for you. This cup of juice represents the blood of Jesus Christ shed for you for the forgiveness of sin. Drink this juice today in full remembrance that Jesus Christ has forgiven your sin, empowered you to be his servant. And he said, when you drink it, be very thankful. Let's drink together in Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for what you have done for all of us. Help us to be the catalyst to bring about the transformation of the people around us. We praise you together in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen.